But Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, Paul declares quite simply but profoundly, God put all things under his feet and gave him, Christ, as head over all things to the church. Isn't that an interesting wording? Which is his body and then a striking thing, especially for those of us who see the church critically. His body is the fullness of him who fills all in all ways. We always want to be absolutely clear. Jesus Christ is the head of this church. It's not the elders. It's not any humans. It's certainly not any single person or man. This is Christ's church. Perhaps we should refer to it more as his church than our church as just a way to mentally keep reminding ourselves. Ephesians 4 unpacks this description even more and begins to describe how under the head, that whole body held together in all of that is being built up, being made healthy in love. And then two times in Colossians, one which we've already looked at recently, Colossians 1.18, that reiterates again, and this is the verse that says, this is the reason. Now, before this is, he's the creator of the world, there's many other things, he's, he's, the fullness of God dwells in him. And then it caps off with, he is the head of the body, and that's so that he'll be preeminent in everything that's happening in the church. And then, perhaps in the next couple of weeks, we'll look at this in more detail, but a picture I love, it's just vivid and helpful for me, who needs word pictures to help me think and picture things, that all of us are to be continuously, individually, holding fast to the head, clinging by faith to Jesus, every one of us doing that. But notice now what happens when we're doing that, then he's weaving us together as a whole body with three effects. Number one, we're nourished. We're nourished by him, but that nourishment flows through because number two, we're knit together through the joints and the ligaments. We grow in our love for each other. We become more like each other as we spend time with each other. Part of that point is, Jesus isn't just concerned that each individual one of us is clinging to him, though that's absolutely critical, foundational to the Christian life. But he longs also that while we're clinging, and in our clinging, he will knit us together in love and in unity and in loving relationships, unlike anything any other organization can ever do, no matter how devoted human beings are to it. He wants the whole body as one living unit with all kinds of individual parts, all being nourished and knit together equally. And the result of that, the third thing is, is that all of us, the whole body, individually and corporately, grows spiritually with a growth that is only from God. We can't create it and generate it on our own. So just quick wrap-up thoughts to this, and we'll get to singing. These scriptures show us not only Christ's preeminence as head, but how connected he makes his church, his people, his body to himself. So the more connected we are to the head, 
the more connected we will be to the body. Those two things don't operate differently and separately. They're interwoven. And conversely, the less connected and clinging we are to Jesus, the less connected and clinging we will be to his bride, his church, his body. So, just an interesting question. What growth that God wants to grow in this church is perhaps being stunted by you. Now, that's the negative way to think of it. Positively, what are the ways that God wants to grow this church that specifically involves you being a part of it? We're already nine minutes behind, so I will try to pedal faster. My bad. Would you take your covenant, the half sheet of paper, and look on what we call the church side, the side where the church promises things to its members. Those who lead in this body are, have the greatest responsibility to ensure that we as a church stay committed to these foundational things. And that begins with the elders uh, or the elder council, which currently is made up of six of us. We don't have a set number or a set tenure. Um, men are raised up and stepped down according to uh, seasons of their life and their ability to serve. This last year, Kurt Earl needed to step down because he just couldn't keep up his vocational demands and shepherd this body as the scriptures call for. Um, but we appreciate your service, Kurt. And yet in that, God timely brought Chris Forey onto our team in May as well. And the other four men have all served at least five years, six years, some of them the entire time that we've had elders for the last 12 years. And so I hope that you just pause and thank God for those he has raised up, those he is raising up, and that he will guide us and protect us and help us. I just always want you to see these scriptures because they're so foundational to us. We take them very seriously. First of all, Acts 20, 28, which charges, this is Paul talking to the elders at the church in Ephesus, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he has obtained with his own blood. Hebrews 13, 17, particularly the middle part of the verse that the leaders that the church is called to obey and follow are keeping watch over souls as ones who will have to give an account. And then John 21, when Jesus walks with Peter, and remember that Jesus has said to Peter, Simon, on you I will build my church. Simon was the first of what will become millions of elders who will care for churches. But that whole thing was initiated as Jesus was about to leave the earth with the conversation where he kept asking Peter, do you love me? And Peter kept saying yes. And Jesus kept saying three word answers. Feed my sheep, tend my lambs, feed my sheep. Like Jesus just boiling life down to the church and the need for the church to be central to helping the followers of Jesus follow faithfully.
So every November and December, the elders and the deacons and those who are evangelists and missionaries, we all do an assessing of do we still feel God would have us serve? For some, that's a sense of calling. Do we still feel morally qualified by all of the character requirements of Scripture? And are we still able, given all of the things going on in our lives, to fulfill these duties that God calls us to faithfully? So the elders have all answered affirmatively in that. And then additionally, we have done two other assessments. One is walking through the covenant that you see right in front of you now. So let me do, here's some of the questions. I'm just going to walk through quickly, and yet I think it's important for you to not only see it with your eyes, but hear it, that these are the main tenets of our church, and if we ever deviate from these, all of you better be crying foul and better be concerned and better be stepping up. But we've asked ourselves, are we seeking in everything for God and God alone to be glorified? Are there any ways we've started stealing that glory for ourselves? If you ever hear that in me, come talk to me immediately. Are we attributing it to anyone when it should be going to God? Secondly, are we seeking in everything to proclaim and lift up and exalt the name of Christ? Is he as preeminent in our focus as he should be, whether it's Sunday morning or in our conversations with you one-on-one? -on -one? Are there times we're either omitting him, assuming him, or not focusing fully on him. Third, are we seeking in everything to uphold the truth and all that God reveals there? Are we being faithful to it even as the culture around us is crumbling? Are there any ways we're weakening, we're getting soft, we're compromising? Fourth, are we seeking in everything to keep proclaiming the gospel over and over and over, seeing it as our life? Are there ways we could proclaim it more? Talk to us if you think there are. Are there ways we need to proclaim it more clearly, more emphatically? Fifth, are we seeking in everything to pray for the whole body and for every individual? To the best of our knowledge, every one of your names are on this piece of paper that will go to each of the elders, each of the deacons, to the first prayer team, all who are people who have committed to pray by name for every one of you here. You matter. But how are we doing as a whole church praying? Are we staying dependent on the Lord? Or as we get older, are we becoming more self-sufficient? Are we seeking in everything to provide godly spiritual leadership? We've sought intentionally these last few years to grow in that. I hope you are seeing that. Uh, there are three or four men that you can be praying about, and four, even though you don't know their names, who are seriously contemplating elder examination and service. We also have a man outside of our body whom we are considering pastorally and want to look more closely at that is going to come visit us in a couple of weeks. And there'll be more, many more details tonight. That's my bait to get you to come tonight, <laughs> <coughs> if you're curious. Um, but January 17th to 22nd, he'll be here. We hope he can meet a number of you, many of you, and you can meet him. He'll do a little bit of teaching, but mostly it will be us looking at him, him looking at us, and all of us weighing that decision before the Lord. Seventh on our covenant is, are we seeking in everything to be wise and faithful stewards? God's given us an incredible amount of money. We want to be careful, not frivolous with it ever, 
and to put it to service where he has it and stand ready if he calls us to empty the whole account to something that he wants to do for the sake of Christ and the gospel, that we're willing to do that, that we will be a generous church. Eighth, are we seeking in everything to have loving accountability? How are we doing on this level with each of you? How are we doing on it as a church, even this last year as we had to discipline some members? Ninth, are we seeking in everything to equip every person to serve God fully? This is an area we elders acknowledge we continue to need to grow in. I think if there's other years that we've said this is our number one focus or desire out of the 10 things we look at, most of us feel that same way now. So I ask God to keep helping us to put each of you to faithful service for him with your gifts. And 10th, are we faithfully working in everything for the spiritual maturity? And that starts with us. Are we as elders growing spiritually? Are we staying out of just falling into ruts or thinking that leading is sufficient and not tending to our private devotion and communion with the Lord? I'd like the elders, to, the five other elders to please come forward at this moment. While they're doing that, let me just also make you aware, it's not in print. Uh, I've said this before, but as we've looked at the scriptures and as we train men toward eldership, there's nine duties that we think elders are called to that we have walked back through as elders as well. Um, and you'll see overlap here to the covenant. But we are to lead you. We are to feed you the word of God. We are to pray for you. We are to care for you physically, emotionally, and spiritually. We are to protect you from any and every, and boy, are there a host of spiritually damaging things and people. We are to correct you as needed. We are to equip you, and we are to, to kind of overarching, work hard at everything in eldering, and we are to pay close attention to ourselves and to each of you. The six of us have done so. We pledge and commit that to you in a fresh year. Would you stay here, men? Deacons, would you please come up now as well? We have had two deacon couples throughout this whole year, Jeff and Brenda Fox and Josh and Haley Bulow. And this morning we are uh, excited to add another couple to that team. But both the Foxes and the Bulos have also examined themselves for still feeling called, still morally qualified, and still able to carry out the duties of the office of deacon. Both couples, we thank the Lord, sense that that is God's continued leading for them. And so, again, even though they're not as prominent, perhaps, not talked about as much, they do a tremendous amount of work. Uh, for our body, and so uh, please perhaps put afresh on your list of praying for things in the church, prayer for the deacons. And this morning, I'll ask Jameson and Alice, Allie Rexilius to come forward. We have put their names before you and done what we think is due diligence in seeking to examine them, and today we affirm and appoint them formally. And They do not want to be up here. <laughs> Jameson and Allie, we charge you as a church to fulfill the duties of this office faithfully, wisely, diligently, to actively seek to know the members of this body, to love them, to care for them, and to live lives that always honor Christ, 
honor the gospel, and honor this church for the sake of Christ. I've asked two, uh, an elder and a deacon to each pray. So Josh, would you first pray for them? And would you in your hearts please be praying actively as well? Heavenly Father, we just come so excited that you have brought Jameson and Allie as a part of our body, but now as deacons, Lord, um, as they serve already in the body, Lord, in this position that, Lord, allow them to be honoring to you and to do your will with helping and supporting the body with the people that are here. I pray that for their family, Lord, and I pray for the protection yes. of all the evil and sin nature and everything that can come to attack them. And, uh, Lord, just look over them. Allow Jameson to lead his family. That is his first and foremost part of his family is to lead and to lead his wife and then his kids and then help out in this church body, Lord. Just allow him to fulfill that duty as well. And I pray also, Lord, for the elders of our body and the elders that were in the past who have stepped down, who now are leading, and future elders, Lord. I'm praying for their protection, for their guidance in studying your word to be the support of the truth, Lord, that the gospel be the main center and that, that the wolves that are uh, out, Lord, that uh, they would there to be to protect us and to look over our body and to continually lead us to a life of maturity in you through sanctification, Lord, and allow the Holy Spirit to convict them, and also praying for their families, Lord, as there are so many different attacks, too, and, Lord, the weight sometimes of just caring for each and every one of our souls within this body, Lord, just continue to bless them. Bless them financially. Bless them, Lord, with all of their spiritual gifts. And, Lord, continue to raise up more men and spiritual leaders in our body to lead this body even further for your kingdom and for sharing the gospel. And I pray this in your son's name. Amen. Almighty, loving Father God, we come before you now with joyful hearts, thankful that the disciples are increasing in number here at FSBC. Remind us often, Lord, that this is your work of loving kindness and saving grace and not our accomplishment. And so, in order that your people may not be neglected in the daily distribution of care and help in their trials and sorrows, we bring before you Jameson and Allie Rexilius, a man and woman known to us as of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom. We appoint them to this duty to faithfully express the love of Christ to your children in the office of yes. deacon. We ask your blessing upon Jameson and Allie and their children. We ask that you supply them strength in the spirit, patience and endurance in their own trials, and boundless love for others as they step forward in your service. May the labors that you have prepared for them accomplish your will. May your joy be their strength. May your gospel go forth in the world through Jameson and Allie as of first importance. In Christ's name. Amen. 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 Let's sing from here. Let's stay here. Yeah. We're done. You can sit. We're going to sing. Cut. Let's stand. God is a faithful God. Great is his faithfulness.
depths of peace when fears are stilled when striving cease my comforter my all in all here in the love of christ i'll stand christ alone who took on flesh fullness of god in together now. Now, if you would, take that covenant and turn it over to the member's side as we remind ourselves whether you are a formal member, certainly your promises, but also even for non-members and especially for newbies, uh, the important things that we think the scripture calls followers of Christ 
to be a part of and to be involved in the church with as well. We always start, whether it's looking at our covenant or whatever else, with first and foremost calling everyone here to receive the salvation of God that's provided by his grace through his son Jesus Christ, his coming to earth, his living perfectly, his suffering in order to pay a penalty that ultimately climaxed in his death, but then his resurrection by the power of God, victorious over all of that, having been the perfect sacrifice for us. We call on you to believe that. What's intriguing about this is that you can be a member of a local church and not be a member of the universal church if you fool the local church, but you won't fool God. You have to be in the universal, worldwide church body of God that involves every believer who has repented of their sin and is following Christ by faith. We wonder often who among us is fooling us? Who among us doesn't yet truly believe? Some of you have been honest about that. We love those conversations and the wrestling through. But we pray that if there is anyone here, even this morning, who perhaps may not immediately become a formal member of this body, but might become an eternal member of the church of God that you might believe. Secondly, we always emphasize baptism by water, by immersion. We see that in the scriptures, usually by a local church, especially as they got established. Love the fact that even this week, had some conversations with people about the possibility of being baptized, and we want to urge always anyone who is following Christ who has not yet taken that step to go under the water as a portrayal of your faith and allegiance to Christ. To do so, uh, we look forward to who God may bring before us even this year in baptism. Both of those established, then we as uh, a church want to call members by three clauses. Actually, there's four little phrases that I want to note, and then we'll walk quickly through, and this will be uh, faster than it should be. First of all, it all has to be by God's grace. We always want to make sure we're not doing works that we think are earning our righteousness or standing before God in any way, as if Christ's work for us is not sufficient. But are you growing in appreciation? The more we understand and appreciate the grace of God toward us, the more impelled we are towards serving him. Secondly, are you daily relying on the Holy Spirit? It's such a short little phrase, so significant to our daily walk and to serving him and not doing things in our own strength. And then third, is the gospel at work in your heart as you start each day, as you go through, as you come each Sunday? Are you focused on Christ, on what he has done? and all that that means for you. And then a phrase that's at the end of pretty much every one of our remaining commitments, that we not only will do so these things ourselves, but help others too, that we see our promises to be twofold. First and foremost, our own faithfulness in each aspect, but also our fellow believers' faithfulness and being willing to spur each other on in these things. With those foundations in place, I want to urge each of you, member or not, to consider these things and to quietly 
deal, allow God to deal with you even now as to how he may want to grow you in the coming weeks, months, and years. Are you continuing to desire to grow in knowing God through his word and prayer? Are you personally investing the time each day faithfully as you should be? Are you keeping a healthy discipline, because that's what it takes on our part, to walk intimately with God? Are you guarding your heart from setting your spiritual life on cruise? And are you spurring others on? Whether it's your family, your spouse, your children, your parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, your friends, other believers you know, which extend far beyond this church body, but also this body. Secondly, are you praying faithfully for the church as a whole, but also all of its ministries, all of the individuals, particularly as needs arise that you become aware of? Are you caring enough about everybody else in this body to pray for them, to endeavor to hold them up, particularly when you hear of difficult and challenging things for them? Third, are you seeking, well, third or fifth, depending on, are you seeking to live a life dominated by love and dying to yourself and to living selfishly? Are you continuing to grasp how much God loves you and how much he wants you to love others sacrificially and selflessly? Is love as important of a focus in your daily life as it should be according to what God calls us to? Would the people around you describe you as growing more loving as you age or less? Fourth, Fourth, do you desire deeply to live a holy life and to turn from the remaining sin? Is there any sin that you are dabbling in, flirting in, dipping your toes in, allowing to go unaddressed in your life that you're not confessing, not seeking to turn from? As time goes on in your Christian walk, are you growing more sensitive to sin or less? And is the way you are living a testimony of a holy God? Fifth, are you fellowshipping with, intentionally, with others in this body and not being isolated? Are you continuing to keep as one of your highest priorities the weekly gathering of this body to worship, to hear from God, to pray, to spur each other on? And I've shared this before, but we took some averages of the Sundays we could find records of for numbers of heads we could count in the building. So it could be the 14 people that are always walking around in the basement to going to the bathroom, getting drinks, doing whatever, wiping up spills, but trying to count everybody inside these four walls that we're averaging 211 people here on a Sunday. So now you do the math and you say if we're 300 and whatever, 18, and we got 211, what does that tell you? We're missing a third of our body every single set. Every single, that's, that's mind-boggling to me. I think the best we've ever done is 269, if I remember right. And that's shaky. So that's still meant 50 people were missing on the best Sunday we've ever had. So that's part of that. It just be, there's so many other things that can pull us away. Are you staying committed here? 
and then more individually, do you have regular conversations with godly people who know you and whom you know, who you really got honest with, that are spurring you on? Sixth, is your heart sensitive toward others, caring about their needs? I've kind of worded this way before. Are you comfortable with the fact that you don't know a whole bunch of people in this body? Is that okay? And God asks you someday to give an account for how you cared for everybody in our body. And the challenge is we've got a lot. It's a lot. It's hard. It's hard when it's your job. I know it's hard for you. But just that sense, awareness of everything that's happening in our our body, we're all being brought together in order to help care for and deal with, whether it's praying, actively doing things, or whatever. So when you hear of needs... Do you respond with compassion and care? Seventh, are you serving as much as you could or should be and not just getting by with some minimal things? Are you actively functioning to bless bless others? And when you are approached about a need, whether it's me up front or somebody coming and saying, hey, would you sign up for nursery or would you help us with fellowship meals or serving coffee or uh, hosting a meal for somebody? Does your heart respond with desire and willingness if you can? Or is it always making excuses? Eighth, are you living by a standard that allows you to be giving and generous? Are you giving worshipfully, faithfully, cheerfully? Are you guarding your heart against the love of money that will shipwreck your faith? Are you responding to other people's needs, whether it's the neighbor, the Samaritan, or the, the wounded person on the side of the road, the homeless person, or those in our body, or other needs that God makes you aware of with generosity? Ninth, is your attitude toward authority one of submission and cooperation rather than autonomy and self-will? Are you seeking to follow the lead of this church, or are you keeping us at arm's length and only to the extent that you want to submit? Are you open to correction from other believers in a spirit of humility and teachability? Just recently, one of the membership applications we received uh, shared this, and I have permission to share it with you as well. I want to become a member of this church body because I long for accountability and community. Accountability and community are two of the most vital things I must keep in place in order to finish this race. Almost immediately, I knew that this body of believers exists to sincerely provide these two components to its members. I want to be a part of giving and receiving accountability and communion, or community. And then number 10, are you seeking to actively, courageously be a faithful witness of Jesus Christ in obedience to the Great Commission and helping others to actively evangelize or who are actively evangelizing, whether that's our full-time evangelists and missionaries, are you coming alongside, supporting them financially, supporting them with volunteering, helping in ways, um, stepping in, sharing the gospel where you can? And are you seeing yourself as an ambassador of reconciliation that God is extending to lost souls I love that one of our members recently was getting a blood draw and thought, I got a couple of minutes, 
and it was chaotic because the blood bra went poorly. But in the midst of that, it's like, I'm going to dive in and get the gospel in here. And just that spirit, that attitude, that heart, hope that that's developing in you and in me as well. So looking back over these things, particularly if you are members, are there areas perhaps you've grown slack in? Are there ways that God wants to work to grow you to increase these things? J.D. Greer reminds us, living for Jesus, and I'll add, and for the church, his bride, in this world will always feel like an uphill battle because you're going against the current. And everything in the world will pull you in the other direction. If you're not actively fighting, you are drifting the wrong way, like Lot to Sodom. To go with Jesus, you have to swim against the current. And that takes effort. Or as we often say, you have to say no to a lot of other good possibilities. As somebody noted, many things that pull, are pulling people away from the church life are not bad things in themselves. They're good things. They're things that we can really honor God. But when we swap them out and pull out of the church in order to invest in those things, perhaps we're making compromises we shouldn't. Okay, trying to be faithful not to hold you. To hold you shorter than last year. Just a couple of closing reflections on the member side of things. Three scriptures, way too briefly. Acts 20, 35. It's the last words that Paul spoke that we know of that are recorded in Scripture to the Ephesian elders. So it was spoken to elders, but it's a principle that's so true for Christians. It is more blessed in God's eyes. God brings greater blessing for those who give than those who receive. Now, we all want to receive blessing. That's part of why I come every Sunday. You bless me. But I'm not just to come selfishly. I'm not to come thinking about me and what I will get from you or from the service. I'm to come looking to give to you. To share out of the bountiful grace that God has given me. And this is what each of us should be thinking. This isn't the job of a pastor that's different from the job or the ministry of a member. So I just appeal to you, please don't. For your sake, for this body's sake, and for Christ's sake, make church about you. Please don't. Please don't do church selfishly and focus more on what you get, though God will give you that, especially if you're giving, than what you give. Second scripture, very briefly, Acts 2. The very, very first church body that ever formed that lays a foundation for you and I to look back at and see the model given. And what I want you to note here, I know you're starting to read, but hang on. Note this. God didn't wait, or the Spirit of God that was flowing here did not wait till the next Sunday for the church to be established. He didn't say in the next six months we'll try and get a church going for you here. It started that day that day because it was so critical. And then as you can see twice in this, it didn't stop being daily. We've reduced it down to Sunday morning and maybe an evening and a little bit more when it was just such a part. So we're a long way from this. I realize there are differences, but let's take to heart here. 
The word devoted, they devoted themselves, devotion, commitment, to the teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, which could mean the Lord's Supper, could mean meals together, probably was both, and to the prayers. And they were still praying at 9 a.m., noon, and 3 a.m. for the earlier years of the church out of what they used to do at the temple. But here's a line, and awe came upon every soul. Isn't that what we've lost? We've lost all. We're not stunned by God's salvation. We're not stunned by what Christ has done. We're not amazed by the freedom that we have. So much so that we can't wait to get together with others and talk about it and encourage each other with that. We're like, oh man, I gotta be there at this time. I gotta wake up at this time. and I gotta hurry because I got this. Like, yeah. Just reminders that it was such a part of their lives and so instrumental to how the church was birthed. Third and finally, Chad reminded us of this last week. It was the third, let us, poor dad joke, command. (laughs) Let us consider, keep thinking about, you should spend time in your week thinking about how to stir up other believers, this body and beyond, to love more fully, love God, love other people, Love serving him and to good works, not neglecting meeting together, whether that's one-on-one, life groups, Sunday mornings, and all the more intensify this. If you think Jesus is coming soon, then all the more stir people up and meet together and don't neglect it and encourage one another. God makes it very clear, particularly in Revelation 3, to one of the churches in one of his letters that he hates lukewarm. Now, lots of teachings on that, lots of interpretations on that, but at the very heart of that would simply be the idea of being lax, being lazy, being lethargic in the Christian life is not an okay thing. What the gospel means, what Christ means, are to drive our lives. So part of why we need each other, Hebrews tells us, is that we have to keep stirring each other's fire and flame and keeping each other's focus on the right thing and helping each other follow Jesus with fervor, not with mediocrity. So, closing quote by Alexander Strzok there, that's just good reminder. Every member, not just the leaders, every member has a unique high standing and must share in the responsibilities, privileges, ownership, obligations, and building up of the local church. In conclusion, if you're waiting for that, couple of quick thoughts. I'm going to go to the second quote of the two. Brent McCracken reminds us this. In a lonely, keep going, one more I think. In a lonely, disembodied world, the church offers a beautiful alternative, an embodied community, relationally connected, where at least once a week you are in physical presence with your church family. It's a place where the manipulative filters of life online fall away, and you can be known in a truer sense, warts and all. It's a place where our real struggles and weaknesses are hard to hide, a place where healing, emotional, spiritual, physical, can happen. It's a place where you can do physical things together, sing, stand, sit, kneel, hug, attempt awkward bro handshakes, even eat and drink the communion elements. 
you can get none of this from podcasts and apps and audiobooks. The local church is not ancillary or optional or replaceable, even when the church-like things are widely available and at our fingertips. The church is and all will always be central to the Christian life, a priceless jewel we should treasure and not trade for anything. quote I often share on Covenant Renewal Sundays and other Sundays is just a short one. To God, the church is the most precious thing on earth. And you can see that in what Ephesians 5 describes of Christ, where we're told, starting in verse 25, that Christ loved the church. Look at all of these actions of Christ and gave himself up for her. And I would add, not only by his death and blood, but even today, now, giving up himself for our good. Wow. That he might sanctify her. He doesn't just want to save her. He wants to purify her as much toward glory as possible because he's cleansed her initially by the washing of water with the word. And here's the ultimate goal so that he might present the church, the universal church, but little old First Street Bible Church also, to himself, the head, in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. We see so much of those now, without any of them, that she might be holy and without blemish. May God help us to become more and more of what Jesus gave his life for, what he is giving his life for, what he is desiring of us. Love the church. Love this church. Not because of us, but because of Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, such a joy to worship with you. We love you. The Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.